Welcome to the Wrestling Philosophy Show, where we discuss unique perspectives and beliefs on the sport of wrestling. Give us a follow or subscribe on various social media platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Enjoy the show. It was awesome to sit down and talk with Coach McCoy and hear his thoughts and hear stories of the relationships he's had in the sport. He mentions the Borellis, Bruce Burnett, and touches on the new documentary on Real Woods. He mentions one of his favorite wins and also one of his losses. Check out the show notes for links to those matches. He also discusses being involved with the Black Wrestling Association and the momentum they've had over the last few months. Check out his high school, college, and Olympic matches archived on carrytherealmccoy.com. Coach McCoy, how you doing this evening? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, let's uh let's jump right in. Uh let's uh when when did you know you wanted to start coaching? I guess when did that kind of jump into your mind and you kind of look at this is what oh. I'm going to do. So um kind of two pieces. So my I'd say after my freshman year in college, um you know, we we worked summer camps. And that was the first opportunity. I mean, I, I had been a part of camps in the past in high school, but never in a capacity where I was, you know, kind of in charge and some, so to speak. So that year I was like, you know, I really enjoy working with, with the, the campers. And, you know, it really reminded me of all the people that helped me throughout my, uh, you know, coming up through the sport. So I was like, you know, this would be pretty cool. I really enjoy this capacity of it. Um, and then as the years, you know, next couple of years where I got to do more coaches, more, more camps and clinics, and I really got to experience people and, and work with people from all over. I was like, you know, that would be a pretty cool transition. And when I was a senior in high school, I kind of made the decision that I wanted to, you know, compete at the Olympic Games. And I knew that, you know, as my college years started to, to come to an end, I knew that the best way for me to be able to stay in the sport were to be able to coach. So the idea was, you know, I, I really enjoyed uh, working with the kids. I enjoyed being able to give back the way that I was giving back to. And then it was a natural progression for me to, to continue to train, to uh, compete on the international level. And then, um, you know, my plan was to be done after 2000, you know, go back to school. I wanted to get my MBA and, you know, go into the business world. And um, I, I still had the passion to compete. I still had the passion to coach, you know, so I went another four years of competition. So those next four years while I was coaching, and training really cemented the fact that, yeah, I think, you know, I'd like to be a head coach and, and move up the ranks and, you know, try to you know, have an impact on, on more people in a, in a more significant way. And um, so that's when I, you know, I kind of shifted gears through that time and focused on coaching. I finished in 04, 04 to 05 was when I really started to dig in and, and learn the craft, you know, learn from my mentors, learn from, from other coaches that I had. And then in 05, 06 was my first year as a head coach. And then, uh, you know, 14 years later, um, there's a lot of a lot of ups and downs, learnings, uh, growing in the sport, and then um, you know, so it was, it was a pretty cool way to get there. And obviously, you've wrestled at the highest level, um, now coaching at the highest level, right? Um, and obviously, you're you're not doing it alone. But is there any in your early years wrestling anyone that made an impact that kind of like kind of light bulb went off? Man, they they really made an impact on your career. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, and it, it, it's going to sound cliche, but I think it, it, it's so appropriate. My high school coach, Mike Picozzi. So grow, growing up in New York, growing up in Long Island, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, there weren't a whole lot of, you know, big time wrestling programs to follow or, or, or wrestlers to follow back then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you basically, if you would get an opportunity to see the NCAs when they were on TV, right. you know, in the spring. And then, you know, when the Olympics came around, um, you know, you get to watch that and see. So there wasn't a whole lot that I knew because no one in my family had wrestled. Um, my, my high school coach was a two-time All-American at Iowa State. And, um, you know, so that was big-time wrestling. Mm-hmm. But he never really bragged about it. He never really talked about it. We kind of found out about it through the, through the grapevine. You know, he didn't walk in the room and say I was a you know, two-time All-American. But um, the way that our structure was, was the varsity coaches would work with the junior high team and sometimes with the middle school and the varsity athletes would come down. So, you know, from when I started wrestling in seventh grade, you know, I had great junior high coaches, great middle school coaches, but the varsity coaches and the athletes would come down to those workouts as well. So, you know, I was getting great coaching, great mentorship at, at the beginning. I didn't know what I was doing. 
And so from seventh grade on, I always had exposure to Coach Bacosi. And, um, you know, when I went up to varsity in 10th grade, he was the varsity coach and, you know, really poured in. But even before that, in the offseason, freestyle Greco, he was there. He was running practice. He was taking us to competition. So even though he wasn't at every, you know, regular practice, he was there in the spring and summer. And then they, he would come to some of the regular practice when we were in junior high. Sometimes junior high kids would go up to the, to the varsity to watch. So I just had in those first five years of wrestling, he was such a big part at, at every le- level year round. And not just for me, but for so many other people that were on the team. So he really, really pushed us. He really connected with us. He really cared for us. And, um, and that was something that really stayed with me throughout my entire career, because if he didn't have the commitment to really show up, I mean, who knows after, you know, seventh, eighth grade, maybe if I wasn't as motivated or if I wasn't as, as committed and he's not around, you know, I might've decided to do something else. So the fact that he was there and, and it was his presence, just, just, I fell in love with the sport right away. And, and, um, you know, him being around really helped me to grow and develop in the sport. Cause I wasn't very good when I started. So having him, you know, he's a, he's the first person that pops in the head all the time. Cool. Cool. And th- you know, this isn't, um, you know, a current events or, you know, anything like that, but obviously we're living in a, in a, in a crazy once a lifetime thing, you know, situation, yeah, yeah. right. Uh, and you know, you're out in California running RTC and, you know, a Stanford program, um, I guess, talk a little bit about that and, you know, where it's at right now at this, I guess, current moment. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're really fortunate and similar to, you know, a lot of people in the, in this country is that we're, we're, we're figuring it out on a, on a day-to-day basis, you know, just kind of scrambling. And, you know, there are some organizations, some teams, some programs that have some pretty good foundational things and been able to get it and, and being as close to normal as possible. Um, but a lot of us are, are figuring out, piecing it together. Um, here in California, a lot of the, uh, indoor activities have been shut down a lot of physical activities gyms and um, so you know we've been kind of piecing together finding a few opportunities we've been fortunate and you know and I was telling our guys about it last week you know for the last eight weeks we've been training in a church and um, you know I'm a very faithful person I said you know just think about how awesome it is that we get to do what we love in the house of God and um, so it's pretty cool that you know the the one place that we're able to find out that we can have some space is, is a church where you know, so many people go to the church for so many things that they need. And this is some place that we get to go in and get this that we uh, that we love doing. So um, but we, you know, we worked out in, in private, private rooms. We worked out in, you know, um, garages. We worked out, you know, in, in, in different places that we've been able to find a place and put some mats down just because, you know, it's, it's difficult to get into, uh, you know, your typical traditional places. Uh, we were mentioned earlier that our, our typical home is in Stanford University's wrestling room. And uh, they've been shut down. You know, in fact, last Friday was the first time that, that their varsity athletes were able to, to get in the wrestling room um, as a team since March. So, you know, figuring out what that looks like. And a lot of the colleges and high schools in this area are under the same, you know, same restrictions. So it's just finding a place where we can get a, get a couple of mats in and get some space and scrapping it. With that being said, we've been very fortunate. We've had a, a bunch of athletes that have been able to train and compete. We had athletes compete at the, at the senior nationals in Iowa, we just had a couple of guys compete at the U23s this past weekend. Uh, one of our athletes, Danny Chade, is going to compete next weekend in the um, Wisconsin Underground, their Wisconsin RTC Underground event. So, you know, we've been pretty fortunate under the circumstances to still be able to, to, to get things going. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about as athletes and coaches all the time is control the controllables, right? And, and that's a philosophy that I've had for a long time, you know, especially through my athletic and coaching career. But it's really evident now that there's nothing we can do about, you know, the current situation and how, you know, how the virus is going and, you know, what policies and procedure are in place. We don't make the rules, but we have to follow them. So, um, so control what you control. It's like, okay, if we can't go to this place, where can we go? We have to work out outside. Let's work out outside. We have to stay distant. We can't wrestle. We can, you know, we can condition, we can shadow wrestle, we can hand fight, you know, on our own, we can, you know, push a tree. That's one of the things one of my college coaches, he was very creative at finding ways to train in unconventional ways. So, you know, have that situation of, you know, get out in the, in the, in the parking lot and find a way to, to get better at wrestling. So, and that's what we've been piecing together, but it's been going pretty well. I think we've had, you know, some great time, you know, learning and growing and, and, and getting better in the sport, um, you know, and as, as everything, this too shall pass. So, you know, when the time comes and we can get better and back to what, you know, what our new normal will be. Um, but until then, you know, we're just doing what we can with what God gives us. Pushing a tree. You just get that 
you said from another coach was just getting out there hand fighting with the tree kind of circling around yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah okay. oh yeah yeah my college coach Hashiro Ishii you know he had some very unique things I mean Oh, he, he, you know, push the wall was one of those things. So we, you know, just up against the brick wall and just like push it and, you know, try to move this wall. And it's like, okay, you know, and we did it because that's what coach said. And, you know, for pummeling, you know, keep your elbows in, driving with your legs, use your body. But, you know, nobody moved the wall, but it was just like just getting that habit of being able to push and doing stuff like that. And, you know, I remember one time we went over his house to, uh, to do some work and he had this pile of rocks, probably like four or five feet high of, you know, good sized rocks. And um, he told us, he's like, all right, you know, dig a hole for the rocks. And we're like, what? And he's like, yeah. So, you know, we dug this four or five foot hole, put these rocks in. I was like, okay, coach, we're done. He's like, now there's no place for the dirt. And we're like, uh, yeah. So he's like, all right, well, take all the rocks out, put the dirt back in. And it was just like one of those kind of karate kid, Mr. Mr. Miyagi <laughs> things that, we don't know what it was for, but it was like, hey, coach said to do it, so we did it, and it was it was a good workout. We were tired afterwards, and so had a lot of creative ways to uh, to get some training in us, and you know, I think that's carried over a little bit now to being able to have that flexibility. Yeah, that, that's um, that, that's pretty, you know, definitely a crowded kid moment. <laughs> you know, it's like, man, he's <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, um, yep, yep. You know, going back to the Stanford thing, you know, obviously, like you said, you know, in churches, garage, you know, obviously with the whole Stanford you know, the whole, you know, drop in and, you know, what, 11 different sports, whatever it may be. I mean, that, that's another huge wrench, obviously. And how has that impacted? And I guess, what have you learned through that? I guess, you know, controlling what you control, like you said. Yeah. 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 No, that's, I mean, again, that's another, it, it was literally, um, so, you know, how I got to this process, Coach Morelli and I, we, we've known each other for a long time. He was my assistant my last year, and then he took over when I left. So we, we talk, periodically i mean i i'd probably say you know we don't go more than five or six weeks without having a conversation through the last 12 years and um, so we talk about everything what's going on in wrestling and a lot of times on on late recruiting trips if i'm driving back i'd call him because he's on the west coast and he'd have a little bit more time so i just know if i'm on the road at 11 12 o'clock you know i know i can get coach really because he's usually just coming over from practice so we we talk periodically throughout and you know probably you know middle of may uh, you know, everything's going on. He, he gave me a call and we were just talking about the RTC structure and, you know, just some ideas of bouncing back and forth and how it could be functional and what's the best way to do it. And, you know, we just kicked around for about 30 minutes. And then after the call, wait, right as we were about to wind up, he goes, hey, you know, so we can figure this out. You know, would you be interested in, in something like that? And and I was at the time, you know, transitioned out of coaching and, you know, just figuring out what my next steps were, enjoying time with family. And I said, I said, yeah, well, you know, we're open to, to anything. And I, we loved our time out in California. My wife, you know, we, we thought we'd get back eventually. Uh, we had no idea it would be this soon. But so I think, yeah, you know, we'll definitely be interested in not knowing what it would come through and not knowing if it was something that was, you know, really a viable option. But, and then over the next couple of weeks, you know, Coach Relly came back with, hey, how about this? And how about this? And we could do this and we could do that. And, you know, just slowly but surely it started to shape up. And, and that's why, you know, I believe that, you know, God has a plan for us all. And I believe that just everything that we were looking at, you know, seemed to unfold and, and come to a right way that this is where we were going to take our next step. And, you know, so I was 100% bought into it. You know, we made the commitment. We actually, you know, we sold our house and, uh, uh, you know, we had the moving company. The morning of the moving company showing up at our house was and around 9.30, they, they were at our house around 8.30, 9 o'clock in the morning, about 9.30, 10 o'clock. I started getting phone calls and text messages like, you know, what's going on? What's going to happen? I'm like, what? Because I was getting ready for the move. I wasn't even paying attention. And I uh, finally got a call from another coaching buddy and said, yeah, did you hear about, you know, Sanford dropping 11 programs? And I was like, what? No, you, you know, you got to be off. And got on the web and searched around. I was like, wow, you know. And at that point, it was... First thing I did, you know, I, I, I have a, a, a network of my mom and, and a couple other people that are, you know, kind of my prayer warriors. And I said, you know, I sent a message, hey, you know, we need some prayer right now. This decision has been made and, you know, need guidance and, and structure, you know, and believe what's going to happen next. And and we did that. And I was like, well, you know, the movers are here. I'm going. And, um, you know, this, I believe it's part of God's plan to get me out there. And, you know, we're going to we're going to see it through. So that's that's where we were and, and when it got the decision and within a couple of uh i mean a couple of hours 
there was a, a, a call organized and Coach Relly got a bunch of people, supporters together. And then a couple of days later, an advisory group was formed. And, you know, a couple of days later, we had a, a structure and a strategy in place. And, you know, so, you know, it seemed like in a matter of minutes, it, it was it, it took a few days, but right away we had a structure, we had a plan. We got some some kicking around together and then slowly it evolved. And, you know, basically since uh, the middle of summer, every week we've been getting on calls and talking about and making progress and raising money and, you know, there's a lot of things going on and, and, and I feel, I feel hundred percent confident that, you know, we're going to be successful in our endeavor. Um, so, you know, every day it's just working towards that and, you know, how it ties to the RTC. It's a really unique situation because as the RTC structure exists, they're a supplement to the varsity program, but they're really its own entity. And a lot of supporters of the RTC, RTC will support the varsity program and vice versa. So, you know, we want to have the structure of the RTC that we are a supplement to the to the varsity program, but we are our own standalone entity. So we want to make sure that we have a structure in place that we can support ourselves, regardless of affiliation with the college program. So, you know, we have a three-pronged approach to our 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 philosophy. And you know, obviously competitive success is a big part of it. You know, we want our, our athletes to be able to pursue world Olympic championships and be the best they can be on the on the international level. You know. Younger athletes, older athletes, everybody wants them to be able to, to strive for their best. Um, the second piece, which is which is pretty unique for us, is we have this um, you know career development, professional development piece where during your time out here, you get the opportunity to work with. You know, we want to get you paired with some of the top tech companies, some of the top companies in the in the Silicon Valley, and help you to earn and learn skills that are going to help you in your professional life. Um, you know, a lot of our wrestlers they'll go and they'll compete through college and they'll go international and compete for a couple of years, but you know, they may be 26, 28 years old without having any real, you know, work experience outside of the sport. Now, if you're going to go into coaching, great opportunity. You're going to be able to learn and all that. But if you decide to get out of the sport, you know, you kind of starting off, you know, six or seven years behind a lot of the people that are, you know, you're going to be competing with for these opportunities. So our philosophy is to help our athletes continue to gain momentum as they're pursuing their competitive goals but also increase their professional goals. And that philosophy will help us to, you know, to be a little bit more of a standalone because if we get these sponsorships and these, these connections with these companies, you know, they're going to fund and support our athletes mm -hmm. uh, to a level where they can still train and compete, but they can also give them those, those skills. They're going to help them to be successful when their wrestling is done. And then the third piece is community outreach and commitment and giving back. So, whether it's financially, you know, when you're in a position down the road, you know, time while you're training, helping out. We, we have a partnership with Beat the Streets Bay Area, which is, you know, a program that's, that's helping underserved communities and using the sport of wrestling. So we partner with them. So when they have events, when they have activities, we're going to send our coaches and athletes up there to partner with them. Because just like we said, from my, my personal experience, I was very fortunate to have a lot of people that were able to pour into me at, at, at a younger age and all through my career. So we want our athletes to be able to give back because there's the next generation of, of great, not just wrestlers, but great people that are going to use the sport of wrestling as a platform. So we want to make sure we give back. So with that philosophy, you know, I feel very strongly that we will be able to be our own entity, but we're always going to use support and, and garner support from the Stanford community and the Bay Area community because, you know, that's what, what wrestling does. Wrestling supports each other. So, you know, I believe we're going to be successful to keep the program around for a long time. And our RTC is going to continue to blossom. We're going to be, you know, who wouldn't want to come and spend time? It was 65, 70 degrees today, you know, November 19th, you know, and it was like I was standing out in the parking lot and I was like, man, this is this is what California living is. So, you know, when you get our athletes that can come out and experience this and, you know, go work a couple hours in a firm that's going to get them some skills and then come back and get after in the wrestling room and then chill out and enjoy the weather. You know, it's not much, much better than that. So, so that's what we're looking forward to and excited to, you know, continue to build something great out here. We were talking off air a little bit. Uh, my brother wrestled him. I was, you know, you know, looking at Central Michigan, you know, obviously Coach Tom Varelli. How would you describe them, you know, in one word or, you know, short phrase? Uh, I'd say solid, right? You know, I mean, Tom Varelli, he's one of those guys that he is just, I mean, he's, he's, he's got, he's got a great, personality he's fun to be around um he doesn't he doesn't waste words you know so he's not one of these guys that are getting into just chatter 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 you know he's very thoughtful but you know he, he he's very sincere very succinct and you know it's like hey he's gonna tell you how he feels 
but he's not going to be overbearing about it. He's going to be very supportive and, you know, he's going to be straightforward with you. So, um, and I think a lot of that rubbed off on Jason and, and his coaching uh, philosophy. Jason, you know, he's got a little bit different perspective on things and it's always fun to uh, try to figure out what Jason is thinking because you can tell he always puts a lot of thought into, you know, when he's saying something and, you know, sometimes you're like, you know, wait, cause he'll, he'll be thinking and be, you can just see it formally. I'm like, okay, come on, let's go. But, but he's very, you know, very thoughtful, very cerebral when he's doing some things. And, um, you know, and, and I think, so I'd say solid overall and I'd say another word is caring. They, they, they both. And I think, like I said, it's a, tr uh, a trait that Jason got from, from Tom is that they care so much about their family. They care about their faith. They care about the people that are under their care. They care about what they're doing. And it's not, you know, it's not a situation where if, if I'm working on this right here, I'm worried about all these other things, right? It's like, I'm, I'm focusing on what I need to focus on. And when I have time to do the next thing, I'll do the next thing. But they're very, very focused and very sincere, which is, uh, which is a great trade for, for a coach, especially, but for a good person overall, because you don't have to worry about, you know, when you're spending time with them, that they're not going to be focused on, you know, whatever they're supposed to be focused on at that time. So it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see, know how the transition and, and there there are a couple of things that are different but mm -hmm. a lot of similarities between the two and uh it's uh, it's pretty cool that i've been able to interact i've been on a bunch of committees with with tom and uh you know obviously working with jason so it's pretty cool just to be connected with their family does Flo have a car uh a feature coming out with real woods coming up or was there like a something coming up with him or yeah a documentary or something yeah up? yeah a documentary yeah and and it's actually so Ray Blake, you know, is assistant co associate head coach here and wrestled at Stanford. Ray's brother, Ryan, uh, Ryan went to Minnesota and, you know, huge wrestling fan, huge supporter and did a lot of work uh, through the years on graphics and videos. And, you know, they collaborated with a couple other people and, and got this, this documentary together and uh, Flo is going to feature it. Uh, I think it's a three-part series or three parts of the documentary they're going to release ne next week as the first episode. And um, it, it's a pretty amazing story. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to give too much up, but it's okay. like when, when you, when you see the story and you hear the story about just this, this amazing kid and, and it's, it's wrestling, you know, about the foundation, but it's really about life. And, you know, it's, it's an amazing story. And that's one of the, the big reasons why wrestling is so important at Stanford, because someone like real is going to have a life changing and, and every college experience is life changing, mm -hmm. you know, but when you're talking about, you know, some of the underserved communities and, and you know, some people that, you know, wrestling really, you know, saved their lives, but not only for him is it saved his life, but it's an opportunity where his life is going to be forever changed. And not just him, everyone on his, you know, his family line down the road. Now, once he goes and gets that degree from Stanford and, you know, does really well in what he's committed to, you know, that's going to open the door for so many other people to follow in his footsteps. So, you know, and, and you can do it anywhere, any school, but, you know, for a kid like him to go and, and get a degree from Stanford, and compete at the highest level at Stanford University, that just takes everything to another level. So it's going to be an amazing story, and you know, I really encourage people to, to to check it out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So, but so like perfect example, you know, we talked, you know, back that back in the day, you had to wait to watch NCAA's. You know, now the, the oh, exposure yeah. is completely different. You know, I guess talk yeah, a little bit about that. You've seen the change, and you know, now where we're at now, I think it's you know, it's we're in a pretty good place, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, and, and you hear it say it all the time and, and everybody's got a different perspective on it. But, you know, the golden age of wrestling. Right. And, and I don't I think the golden age of wrestling has been extended for, you know, 30, 40 years because it's just continued to improve. And our athletes you will hear, especially you know, some of the older guys that will say, you know, these athletes are so much more prepared, so many more research, so many opportunities that, you know, that I didn't have 20 years ago. And then you go back 20 years before that, when you talk with like Bruce Baumgartner, mm -hmm. you know, when he's coming through and just the, the advances that he made. And really because guys like Bruce and Kenny Monday and Kevin Jackson, they were able to have things stepped up. John Smith for the next generation for, you know, for myself and for Jamil Kelly and Kale Sanderson during that time, Joe Williams, Rulon Gardner. And then that led the door to Kyle Snyder's and Jordan Burroughs and Jaden Cox and David Taylor. So it's just like, you know, everybody were standing on the shoulders of giants to be able to get here. And it goes way back, goes back to the seventies with, you know, with Dan Gable and Lee Kemp and, right. and uh, Bobby Douglas back in the sixties, you know, so it's like every cycle we've been able to just step it up and, and not say wrestling doesn't have its challenges, you know, we went through a pretty dark time between, 
you know, 2010, 2014, where the, you know, in 2013, when the IOC was thinking about dropping wrestling and, you know, NCAA wrestling programs are being dropped all around. So, you know, there's still some challenges, but the idea of the, uh, the, the place where wrestling is right now, I mean, you're seeing more wrestling on TV than you ever have. You know, obviously technology allows for that. You're seeing, I mean, I remember back in 1994, you know, there was a training camp at, at Foxcatcher, you know, it was one of the world team training camps. And I remember going into the wrestling room and off of the restroom, they had this library where they had the old school, you know, laser discs. And you can go in and, they were like big, you know, you can type in. They were like big DVDs, Yeah, like right? big LPs. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, and they had all the, I mean, it was a full room of a library of technique. And so I could type in Kerry Colot single leg and it would find, you know, a match of Kerry Colot, you know, technique with single legs. Wow. And, you know, but it was a full room. Now I can do that right here on my laptop and go to Flow or go to Intermat or go to YouTube and see that. Right. And, you know, so, you know, in, in, in 25 years, the, the, the amount of, of the access. So back then, the only way you would see that if you were able to go to the Foxcatcher facility, you know, and do that, or if you were able to go out to USA Wrestling and they had an archive. And now I can do it on my cell phone while I'm sitting at the bus stop, you know. Mm -hmm. So it just shows the amount of 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 content that's available. And you know, we talked about what Flow does with their documentaries and you know, track wrestling and and Intermat and you know, all these different sites, all these different places. I mean, you've got your podcast. There's a a ton of podcasts out there. So just so much wrestling available now. And it's just great. And you can decide, hey, I don't want to see any. I mean, there's still people out there, which is shocking to me. You know, you can go in and in, into some of some of the high school wrestling rooms and some of the college wrestling rooms. You could say, you know, who is this? Throw somebody's name out there. And people are like, uh, I don't know. That's a world medalist, right? right. You know, that's an Olympian. And oh, some people just don't know because they may not fit into into this mold and maybe they're not getting as much publicity on some of them, but, you know, but the idea is if you think about it, you can find information on just about any wrestler. And, and I even know as a coach, right. When we were recruiting, you know, and you see a kid and you get on, you like search him and you can find 50 matches on this kid that, you know, you want to see once in a tournament, but then you can go and find all these competitions to so be able to watch them a video. And, you know, sometimes these coaches will get to a kid and, Coaches know, know more about the kid than the kid knows about himself because like, oh yeah, I saw you wrestled this guy in the corners, this guy, and the kid's like, I just went out and wrestled. So, so there, there's just so much content available. Um, you know, wrestlers are so much more aware of, of their opportunities and their personal branding, um, you know, being able to share what they're doing. You know, I can go in and learn technique from just about any wrestler, definitely in the country, but, you know, almost in the world, some of the elite guys. So it, it is really good and really, really growing. And, like I said, we have challenges, we have opportunities to, to continue to be better, um, but it is a pretty good deal. So like I said, the golden age of wrestling has been, has been pretty consistent, you know, over the last 50 years and beyond because, uh, you know, we just continue to grow. And, you know, like I said, not, not that we haven't had our ups and downs, but mm -hmm. we're in a pretty good place right now. And, and I think we're going to be, I mean, just think about it during, during global pandemic for our sport to be able to safely have events and, and you know, have guys competing at a high level and training at a high level and, you know, I mean, I'm, you, know, you hear there, there are a couple of people that have contracted the virus and a couple of people that have gotten sick and, you know, recovered and stuff. But, you know, overall, our sport has been able to safely compete at a high level, mm -hmm. having some pretty good events and, uh, you know, and, and minimal, minimal risk because of, you know, that's the resiliency of our sport. And we've gotten to the point now, 20, 20 years ago, would we be able to do this? I, I don't think so. You know, technology has allowed us to, to make some significant changes and, access so like even when we talk about those cards right mm -hmm. you know there's in, a, in an empty facility you know you have only a handful of people in there but you probably have hundreds of people thousands of people watching because they're able to log into you know an online deal or go on on tv and pay pay-per-view so it's uh it's pretty awesome where we are as a sport right now right right so i was talking to, to reese humphrey last week and he was talking about he was doing a camp and he had a kid uh like man i watched some of your matches you didn't you don't win many but you're excited <laughs> so, um, so obviously you know you're around kids you know you know you're prior to the flow days right so, so yeah what yep. match you know if there's a youngster watching this what what one do they have to find and watch you wrestle watch me wrestle yeah, oh yeah, i don't know there's that one. Oh. Pick one you know what i mean because oh. you know there's those kids that like and they know your name but they haven't seen you wrestle and they're, they're going to type it in youtube and the match are going to come up 
But if they could, pick yeah, them, you know, win or lose, you know, win or lose, win or lose, I'll, I'll give, I'll give, uh, I'll give two. Okay. So uh, a win would be uh, so uh, I think it was a 1994 Minnesota dual beat, or it was 95. It was a dual meet against Minnesota. I think it was 94 um, against Billy Pierce. Billy Pierce was a returning, I think he was a Big Ten champ as a freshman, and um, you know he was returning All-American. And um, I had just moved up to heavyweight. Home duel, Minnesota's ranked number one in the country. Um, we were ranked top five or something, but okay. you know we wrestled Minnesota in a duel, and uh, I think he might have been ranked third, and I was first, or I was third, and he was first. So those two top five ranked guys, and 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 I, I had a pretty good match. I, I ended up winning like nine to two. Um, but that was one of, that was kind of like one of those matches that I'd moved up to heavyweight and I had won a bunch of matches and I'd beat a couple guys, but that was one of the matches where, you know, I think people started to say, yeah, this guy's really, you know, legitimate heavyweight contender. And, um, so that was a good match to have, um, a match that I lost and, um, in both of these matches, I think they were both on my YouTube page. So, okay. um, you can find it, but I wrestled Keith Davidson. Keith Davidson was uh, uh, All-American at Wisconsin, and uh, we had a dual meet at, at Penn State my freshman year, and uh, Keith, uh, Keith beat me 17 to 5, and, and I said, as a team, Wisconsin had, Wisconsin had seven takedowns as a team against us in the duel, and Keith had six of them, so <laughs> he had, you know, 95% of their team takedowns, but yeah, he just, he just, he just destroyed me, and uh, you know, that was one of those one of those good matches that uh, I needed to have because, you know, anytime you get beat, you go back, you try to learn. And, you know, and it was just like and Keith ended up finishing third in the country that year. And um, so he was a real tough competitor. But that was that was one of my, you know, um, it wasn't one of my toughest losses, but it was one of those losses that I just, you know, I just got smashed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't really have anything for him during that match. But it was one of those things that I needed to have because. I was never, you know, you hear the the cliche, right? Don't let your highs get too highs and you let your lows get too low. Um, that was one of the perfect examples for me of getting that match. And, you know, after the ups and downs that I had during the, the season, um, I still had the support. I still had everyone coming behind me. I still had people say, you'll be all right. You'll get them next time. And they ended up wrestling them in the, in the quarterfinals and Big Tens and I ended up winning in the quarterfinals. So, you know, six weeks, eight weeks after he beat me 70 to five, I beat him eight, six in overtime. And, um, you know, it just shows that, you know, I, I, I did have a little bit of potential in this sport. So, um, but I'd say those are two matches that they're good. There's a bunch of other ones that I can probably say, but you know, those are two that jumped in my head right away when you, uh, when you mentioned that. Okay. Yeah. Cause you know, like I said, there's people, these kids nowadays that they're on the video and then, you know, they, they know the names, but they don't know the, the videos and, uh, you know, they see those matches. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. Watch, you know, going back and watching some of the matches like, Oh yeah, that's how that went. You know? Um, oh yeah. 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 For sure. So we talked about opportunity, um, you know, touching on a little bit, you know, tonight, um, actually a Bellator fight, have some former wrestlers, you know, fighting on that card, um, with Joey Davis and, and, and Caldwell, I believe are fighting on that. Um, you know, the opportunities nowadays, you know, we talked about a little bit, um, I talked with uh, Coach Powell over at New England College a month or so ago, and he said I reach out to you about, you know, the Black Rex Wrestling Association. Are you, what's your role with that, or I guess the origins behind that, and you know, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm very, very fortunate to be uh, the vice president of our of our founding board and of our board of directors. So you know, to uh, to, to give the quick rundown, uh, back in in mid May. Um, you know, after George Floyd's murder, um, Nate Jackson and Kyvin Gadsden, you know, got together and, you know, very successful, very strong black men and, and, you know, successful wrestlers and family men. And they were kind of in a sense of, of hopelessness. And I think, you know, just talking to each other, kind of kicking around, it's like, you know, we can do everything right. We can, you know, live in a right way and, and be good fathers, be good husbands. And this could still happen to us. And it was one of those things where, like I said, it was just kind of like that, that hopelessness, like, well, what, what do we do? What, you know, how can we change this? And in our society, we're just not viewed collectively, you know, as, as valuable members of society. So, you know, and they talked to each other and then they started reaching out to, to common, you know, connections and in the sport of wrestling primarily. And 
just like, Hey, what do I do? How can I, you know, how can we handle this? And it just branched out. And, um, after a few phone calls, uh, a zoom call was organized. There were over 40 black male wrestlers that got together and just, it was one of those things that was just to, to kind of talk about the event and, and to, you know, give feedback and support each other. And after that call, I think Nate and Tyvin, you know, realized that just having a, an opportunity to, to vent, to, to support each other and share stories wasn't enough, right? We needed to do something that was going to be meaningful, not just for us, but for the next generation, for future generations. And um, so decided they, they, you know, they put together a group and I was fortunate to be named in that their original founding members. I was 11 of us that got together and got on a Zoom call and started chipping away at, you know, let's, let's find a way to do some, something meaningful. Uh, we got together and we, we put together an organizational structure. We started building on our board, had some goals, um, you know, got some initiatives together. And, and like I said, that's the, that's a combat version of how we got together, but it was like, Hey, you know, we need to do something. And, and, and the, the mission is to inspire and to connect and empower is what our foundation is, right? So we want to inspire the next generation, right? We want to connect and we want to make sure we empower, right? And then through, you know, representation, opportunity, and equality. So finding opportunities, creating opportunities, enhancing opportunities, you know, to allow black wrestlers to be able to not just exist, but to thrive. And that comes from competitive opportunities, that comes from professional opportunities, that comes from educational opportunities. And we work with the NWCA on, you know, getting opportunities for, to get more representation, more, more black coaches to be able to go to the leadership academy, um, to learn what it takes to be a coach. And we talked to officials about getting more black representation in the officiating. Um, you know, obviously for a young, for a youth to be able to look up, I mean, a lot of people know Jordan Burroughs and Jamie Cox, but a lot of people don't know them, right? If you, if you look through the, the sport, you're going to see, you're going to hear a lot of the same names, you know, Dan Gables and Bruce Fonworth and John Smith, Kenny Monday, Kevin Jackson, Jordan Burroughs, Nate Jackson, uh, 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 Kevin Gadsden, Jaden Cox, right? So you're going to start hearing these athletes that are doing something in the sport, but we don't want it to just be a one-off. We don't want you to have to be from inner city Chicago to hear about Nate Jackson, right? You want to hear, you can be in the suburbs, you can be in the city, you can be in the Midwest, you can be in the East coast, West coast, and understand that there are, there are black wrestlers, there are black, you know, people that you can look up to as well as there are other, you know, ethnicities, there are other, you know, Hispanic, there are, there are you know, white guys, there are Asian guys. So, you know, we're really focusing on for us in our community to be able to look up and say that wrestling is a sport you can be successful in. And look, here's 15 people that were great wrestlers, that are great businessmen, that are great leaders, that are great coaches, that are great, you know, fathers, that are great mentors, and, and really building out and uh, and really being able to celebrate that. So, you know, it's a uh, it's a situation that we've extended, you know, ourselves to a point where we want to make sure that we're reaching across and we're connecting with as many as we can. We're really using that empowerment initiative to make sure that you know all young boys and girls, you know, black young boys and girls that are looking to inspire and achieve greatness in the sport have more than just, you know, one or two people to look, to look forward to, but they also have people they can look forward to that look like them as well as, you know, people that don't look like them. And now you have a wider experience and a wider exposure. So it's been pretty awesome. We've made some pretty groundwork, pretty good groundwork. Again, we, we got organized in basically, you know, second week in June. Okay. So, you know, so we've been only, we've, we've been at it for, you know, four and a half, less than five months. And, um, you know, to get our structure, we've got our board, we've got uh, 17, I think 17 of our 19 board seats filled. Um, we've got our initiatives working on, you know, a lot of things that we're doing to try to put ourselves in a position, working on some other events that, to go through. And, and this was, you know, it's kind of a blessing and curse with COVID because obviously the first couple of months when everything was shut down, that gave us a lot of time to really get together and formalize. Right. Now that wrestling's starting to get, get going again, you know, we just make sure we have that solid foundation to build off of where, it would have been a challenge if, you know, we were in the middle of getting ready for the Olympic games and getting ready for, you know, traveling, competing and training camps. It would have been a, a tough deal, especially when you look at the guys that we have connected in sport. I mean, you know, obviously Jordan Burroughs and, and Jaden Cox, they're competing. Um, Kevin Jackson, you know, he's a national, one of our national team coaches, Kenny Monday is one of our RTC coaches. So, you know, we've got a wide variety of people that are competing and that are administrating and that are, you know, that are coaching. So you know, those first couple of months that everything was slowed down really made it possible for us to really dig in. And now that we have a foundation, it's just, you know, tweaking and adjusting and, 
you know, at the at the turn of the new year, I think we're going to be able to to have some some pretty good stuff coming. But even to this point in you know five months, what we've done, you know, being able to raise some money, we've got some gear out, our social media presence is strong, so it's uh it's going pretty well. That's all. so. Who's all involved in that? You said you have 17 of the 19. I mean, you don't have to name the 17, but who? what are some of the names that are on that? Yeah. On the board? Yeah, so in our board, um, you know, we've got wrestlers, we've got non-wrestlers, we've got males, we've got females. You know, we kind of broke it out to make sure we have representation across the board. Uh, you know, we've got NCA reps, you know, people that are NCA coaches. Uh, we've got, like I said, we, we've got a, a Carl Adams is, is a board member. He kind of represents the historical perspective you know being around coming up through in the in the late 70s and you know coaching for 20 plus 30 years and and you know in the ncaa and he's a businessman um you know we've got some greco-roman representation we got some female takara montgomery is one of our board members you know she was i reached out uh, an olympian she's a longtime coach i reached out to her but jumping on we're still trying to coordinate so go on but yeah yeah yeah, yeah so okay. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. I mean, just the the things. Amanda Stanick, who who who's uh, move, live, learn. You know, she's done a lot of great work in the in the sport, and you know, by by uh, adoption because you know she is a soccer player by by training, and you know, from Canada, and she married a wrestler, so she married into this crazy sport, and she brings a a wealth of knowledge. And obviously, like we said, Nate Jackson is is a, is a president. You know, Kyvin Jack Kyvin Gatson, uh, Kevin Jackson, Mark Hall, Gabe Townsell. Uh, James Green, BJ Futrell. Um, these are some of our founding members. Um, so, you know, Herb House, Greco Roman, um, Ryan Mango, Jamil Kelly. Wow. Um, you know, and I, off the top of my head, I, I probably missed a couple of people, right. but just like, you know, the, the, our board and our founding members are, uh, you know, pretty significant contributors to the success of the sport overall, but also they carry a lot of, a lot of weight and a lot of, a lot of uh, distinction. So, you know, it's not just, hey, you got a bunch of meathead athletes that are go out there and try to make a make a scene. But, you know, we got people that are really committed to make meaningful change in our society using the sport of wrestling as a platform to empower young, you know, young, old, middle age, you know, East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, just, you know, having black wrestlers that, that can really take a step in, uh, in a positive direction without, uh, you know, without being ashamed or without worried about, anything else like hey we're going to get after it we're going to make things better and and when we empower our community then the overall wrestling community is going to be better as a whole right right that's awesome so, so you said after the first of the year you have some things you guys are planning on or yeah well we've we've got stuff in the works right now so our, our first you know i i don't say our campaign but you know we we did a, a t-shirt it was a limited edition vote t-shirt okay. to really push voter registration you know, and, and get people out. So we had that, that, that was up on our website. And, you know, we, we initially released like a hundred t-shirts to get out. And I think they sold through pretty good. So now it's like, okay, what's our next merchandise we're going to do. We're going to put out some t-shirts. We did some giveaways with some sweet, you know, BWA hoodies with our logo on the front, a big logo on the back. So, you know, getting our gear and our merchandising out, um, you know, working some of our partnerships with some organizations, obviously we got a strong tie with the beat the streets organization, national level. And, you know, all the different chapters. Um, you know, we, we've talked about some other projects. Like I said, I don't want to sure. jump too much, but we got a lot of things going on. But, you know, um, looking to have a major event um, next year, you know, which is a little bit ahead of schedule. We kind of put in our, our planning that we look to do a major event in 2022. Okay. Um, but we're going to have like a build-up event as we keep going in and what that's going to look like and how it's going to go. So um, really getting our marketing and our branding going and our partnerships and our connections and, you know, there's a lot of things that we're doing. So we're working on it. And it's like, we're kind of, you know, peppering stuff in periodically. But, you know, I think by the turn of the turn of the new year, we're going to be able to have some pretty good momentum and starting to announce a few more of what we're doing and, and how we're doing it. But yeah, we're, we're rolling right now pretty good. Oh, yeah, for sure. Your, uh, your marketing and the promotion, it, it's it is rolling. So thanks yeah. to, see what, to see what's next. So Anything else you want to uh, share or tell or ask or anything, you know, anything else you have? I wanna, you know. Yeah. You know, I think, I think this is great. You know, we talked about off, off, off air at the beginning, just, you know, the idea of, you know, philosophical thoughts and, and mindset. And, and I know for me as an athlete, it was really important, but as a coach and, and outside of, of the sport, it's even more important. It's just to continue to seek knowledge. Mm -hmm. Um 
you know, that's one thing that I felt like really made a difference for me as an athlete because I was always open to learning. I was always seeking out. And even some of the times where I've told stories, Bruce Burnett was our national team coach when I was competing and he taught me, uh, you know, ankle lace technique. And I remember for two years, you know, he, oh, let's work in this position. I'm like, Bruce, I, you know, I just can't do it. I don't have a feel for it. He's like, yep, keep working, keep working. He's like, you can do it. And I'm like, I just, I'm not getting it. And I, you know, I was doing a technique, but it just wasn't feeling right. And it wasn't, but you know, every day he would continue, let's go get those reps and get those reps in. And, you know, I'd work it and I, I could never really click it in competition or when I was going live, but I'd work it every day. And, you know, he would just encourage me and I'd be open to listen, even though I was like, all right, this, it's not working for me, but I'll try it again. And then, um, you know, when I, when I made, uh, when I made the Olympic team in 2000, you know, my ankle lace was, was a, def you know, defining technique that really made a difference. I was able to turn Stephen Neal a couple of times and, and it was like one of those things, it, it clicked a little bit before that, but just that idea of, you know, one, having Bruce's commitment to encouraging me, you know, consistently for all that time. And then for me to be open to learning and working, even though it wasn't feeling right or clicking. And then, you know, eventually, I, you know, I, I turned almost everyone I wrestled with it. So just that idea as an athlete and as a coach, you know, I was always seeking out, you know, the, the, the most seasoned, the smartest, most successful people in the room. And, you know, when I became a head coach the year before, I remember Greg Strobel, you know, rest his soul. He was, he was the head coach at Lehigh. So I was working with him and, you know, I, I told him that I wanted to be a head coach and, you know, he was like, okay, took me under his wing and like, this is what we do. And we'd get together, you know, two or three times a week. And we just talk about recruiting and fundraising and practice planning. And, you know, so I was able to do that. And then when I became a head coach, I was at Stanford and great place though, the amount of success here. So I would, I would track down some of the, the more successful coaches. I remember John Dunning, who's a, you know, multiple-time national volleyball championship coach. And I'd go to lunch with him. We'd play golf together and I always kind of pick his brain. So always trying to find people that are successful, that have knowledge and, and have experience. And, and, and a lot of times I found that sometimes what would work for somebody wasn't necessarily best for me. So, mm -hmm. you know, I might sit down and have a conversation. They say, hey, yeah, this, this, this. I'm like, okay, that's not really where I'm at you know, but it's good for me to hear it because at least I can take it and I can, you know, juggle it around a little bit and say, okay, well, it may not be for me. Same thing like as a technique with, with an athlete, right? You may see something like this is sweet, but I just can't do it. I'll tell you for life, me ankle picks, I don't care how much time I just don't have a feel for ankle picks and I can work on it. So great technique, right? But it's just one thing that I never felt super comfortable with and it just wasn't part of my style of wrestling. So great technique for you, Kale Sanderson, David Taylor, but you know, ankle pick, you're not going to see Kerry McCoy hitting ankle picks, right? So, um, so that's what it was. So, but being open to learn, to try it, to feel it out, and then, you know, kind of pick and choose what, what works best for you and then build your own philosophy. So I think that's really one of the things that fundamentally foundational for me is to always learn even now, you know, transitioning out of, out of coaching, but I'm still in a bunch of administrative roles on the board of USA Wrestling, like I said, with the BWA leadership positions, it's important to be able to, to assert, you know, a, a, a solid foundation, but also be willing to listen to others, be willing to learn from others, be open. And um, you just, you just never know where you're going to come in. And just like a little thing where, I mean, sometimes my, my kids will be doing something I'm like, huh, that's a pretty, and then, you know, I'll pick it up from them and they don't, they're not trying to teach me. They're just living their lives, but, you know, being open to different ways of doing things and, and I think that's really one thing that's been able to help me be successful and, um, you know, success is a relative term, but to really enjoy and grow from, from any interaction that I have. So, so I would say, you know, you know, with the, the name of the podcast, you know, philosophy is always being open mm -hmm. and, and willing to learn and, but don't feel like you have to just do everything just because, you know, if, if Dan Gable, if, if Bruce Baumgartner, if Kenny Monday, if Kevin Jackson did these techniques as a wrestler and they were very successful with it, doesn't mean that you have to do that to be successful. You know, um, the, one of the, one of the biggest arguments I always say is firemen's carry, right? People always say, oh, you can't do firemen's in college or at the highest level. It's, you know, it's a high school move. You know, when my freshman year in college, I, I won the third match of our best two out of three wrestle off. I hit a four, you know, five point fireman's carry you know, that made a difference in the match. Um, there's a, you know, there's a Russian guy over in uh, named Sajulayev that, you know, hits fireman's carries at in the world champion. I mean, I think in 2014, he tech falls this guy in the finals with the fireman's carry. So 
it's not about whether the technique is, you know, appropriate for a level. It's how you can execute, how you can be successful. So I think that's the same way with, you know, with life. It's like figuring out what are the things that are going to help you be successful? How can you mold them, shape and put into your application or whatever that is? And then, you know, not be afraid to adjust when you need to. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of an ongoing thing that you're always growing. So I know we got a little wordy there, a little mouthy there, but just uh, I think that's really one of the things that, that I've been able to, uh, to stick to throughout my career at every level. That's exactly why I kind of started this podcast. If I'm not learning, you know, I'm not growing, you know, as a right. father, you know, husband, whatever it is. And, you know, there's a lot of stories out there that, you know, aren't being told or being heard. And if it, you know, um, you know, and even if, you know, I might not do something that you're doing as a coach or someone else doing, if, uh, you know, I can take it and someone's asking for advice, like, well, this person, you know, this is what they work on or this is what they do. Yeah, that, that's, yeah exactly. That's kind of the way that, you know, it just, um, so I've been having fun with this and, you know, it's, you know, definitely want to learn and, and enjoying this. So, so thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Where, where can they find yeah, yeah. Uh, your information? I guess you said you have your own website with your, your, your matches and everything yeah yeah so um you know it's kind of funny when i i, I talked to someone a couple a couple months ago like you actually still have a website so um my website is carry the real um you know i don't i don't i don't make any claims of being so you know thoughtful with the naming of it like there's there are a bunch of carrie mccoy's out there so when i wanted carrie mccoy.com it was taken so i was able to find uh the real McCoy, but uh, that's my website. He has a link on it, the video, which has a link to my YouTube page. And I've actually, I've been thinking the last couple of weeks, I haven't, I haven't posted any videos in a while on the page, but, uh, but if you go to the YouTube page, you'll see a bunch of matches from college. I've got a couple of high school matches. I've got my uh, high school state finals, my junior and senior year, um, a couple of dual meets from high school. Then, like I said, a bunch of my, bunch of my duels, probably have five or six from my freshman year a bunch from my sophomore and junior year, um, some international matches. You know, I, I got some some fun matches when you, you know, you go look back. I, I wrestled Kurt Angle a couple of times. So a couple of those battles with Kurt, um, you know, so it, it's pretty cool just to go down memory lane with some of that stuff. So you don't, I joke with people, say you don't have to subscribe to the History Channel to find my matches. You can just <laughs> go right there and get them on YouTube. So um, social media, Twitter, it's it's at uh, KMAC120. KMAC120. Instagram, it's KMCOY120. Uh, I do Snapchat, but I don't do it. I, I'm on there. And right. uh, Facebook, Carrie McCoy at Facebook. So all that stuff's on my website, though, links to there. And um, California RTC, you know, at California underscore RTC on, on Twitter and, and Instagram, um, Facebook, LinkedIn. So all those places are out there. Check me out. Um, you know, Log on, see what's up, interact, and you know, we'll rock and roll. Cool. Well, thanks, Coach. I appreciate it. You, you yeah, buddy. I appreciate it. Let, let's get back. Yeah, let's get back another time once uh, you know this gets bouncing. We got some other stuff to talk about. I'd love to come back again. Awesome. Awesome. Can't wait.